Team just for a little bit longer, please uh, do so. Either way, let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4. It's on page 839. If you'd like to use a Bible from the church, thank you guys for helping us to sing to the Lord and about the Lord this morning. Thank you for uh, leading uh, the children to help us to sing and to worship as well. Mark chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading at verse 26 and read down through verse 34. This is God's word for us this morning. And here's what God says. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. And yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. You may be seated. Father, there's no word like your word. And so our prayer is that you would help us as we look at your word, that we would literally be like your disciples whom the Lord explained the meaning of this parable to. Father, we would pray that by the presence of your Spirit, even as I preach, that you would do the explaining, that you would help us to see wonderful things in your word. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're looking this summer at some of the parables of Jesus. Uh, I was out of town last week at the Southern Baptist Convention, which I intend to send out a, an email this week through our Google group. So if you're not a part of that, let me know and I'll sign you up for that to maybe explain some of the events and happenings of the convention this week, at least give my perspective or take on it. Uh, but two weeks ago and three weeks ago, we uh, began our study in the parables. We looked at uh, the parable of what we would commonly uh, known as the parable of the, of the soils. We spent two weeks looking at that. And now continuing along that same theme, there's a couple of more agricultural uh, parables that we will consider before we're done. And uh, that's what we'll do this morning in the, the two parables that we just read from Mark chapter 4. I would remind us, just by way of review, that the parables offer comparisons. Comparisons about some earthy, uh, normal factor or thing or story in life with something about the reality of God's kingdom. 
And you see that here in in verse 26. It says, and the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Or in verse 30, and he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable should we use for it? So these parables are meant to to, um, serve as comparisons. There's something in these stories or these these earthly normal things that, that reflect truths about God and his kingdom and about the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet when we think of parables serving in a function of comparison, we would think, oh, it's an earthly thing teaching a spiritual truth, and, and, and that is to serve the function of to bring clarity uh, using this earthly thing to illustrate a spiritual truth. And, and while there certainly is a facet to that, what we've learned thus far about the parables is that, is that these parables actually serve in a sense of concealing things about the kingdom of God. So they don't so much bring clarity as much as they provide concealment, concealment from those who have a disinterested heart toward the things of God, those who have a distracted heart toward the the kingdom of God, those who have a divided heart in regard to the kingdom of God, those with a distracted, uh, divided, disinterested heart get none of the point of the parable. They just walk away and say, Jesus just held a clinic on horticulture, I think. But the disciples press in because they have a devoted heart. They, 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 they want to know what is the point of this parable. They are inclined and lean into the story that, of comparison that Jesus told because they want to squeeze the real truth out of that parable. And they incline themselves. They, they seek Jesus. They approach Jesus. They ask Jesus, help us to understand what you've just said. And that seeking, that being inclined toward, that asking reflects that their heart is a heart that is devoted toward the things of God. Now, what I did in essence is those four soils that we talked about in the first two weeks in this series on the parable, the, uh, the, the parable of the, of the soils. And now this parable, if you would, it, uh, it zooms us in on uh, arguably what was that fourth soil, the soil of a good heart. When the seed of the word of God plants itself in that good soil, in a good heart, then how does that operate? How does that Function. So there's something of parable. Uh, I mean, there's something of similarity. There's something, uh, and, and yet there's something that of a, of a different emphasis in this these parables that we've read this morning, and the the parable of the soils that we read a few weeks ago. In both cases, there's similarities. The the seed to be sown uh, in the previous parable and in these parables, the seed to be sown is the word of God, the message about the Lord Jesus Christ. We might even call that the gospel, which is the message about who Jesus is and what 
he has done. Jesus, in announcing himself, announces the, announces the arrival of the kingdom. He is the king of the kingdom. And, and he's, uh, he's explained and he's, uh, uh, he, he has explained who he is and what he is going to do to build his kingdom. And so Jesus proclaimed himself. And the commission that Jesus has left his church is that while Jesus, while he was here, proclaimed himself, his church, after he has left, uh, has been given the assignment of proclaiming him. That is our one mission, to proclaim one message. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. The seed that is being described here, the seed that is being sown, the seed that is being scattered on the ground is, this, is the message, the truth, the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done. And what this first uh, parable uh, compares the kingdom of God or the gospel to is, well, he says, it's like a man who scatters seed on the ground. He, it, 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 so what does he do after he scatters the seed on the ground? goes to sleep and rises day and night. And guess what happens while he's sleeping? It says the seed sprouts and grows. And it says, and he doesn't know how. The earth produces it by itself. First blade and then the ear and then the full grain in the ear. How does the message of the gospel do its work? I don't completely know. I have a sense of this and that. Spent 40 years trying to understand it. And, and, and yet, still more I don't know than, than what I do know. And yet, what I do know is the same thing that the Apostle Paul reflected in Romans chapter 1 when he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. In other words, the, 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 the comparison here is that the church, just as Jesus did as the sower, but now the church as the sower is to sow the seed in the ground. And when the seed is, is the word of God, it is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, then, then the, the, the work of the church is to sow seed and Sleep. Oh, not to be asleep, especially in church, but but what he's illustrating is that is that there's a, a human side to the work of advancing the gospel, and there's a divine side to the work of advancing the gospel. And there's a sense in which uh, uh, there are things that we are to do, that we are commanded to do, and there are things that are way beyond our ability to do. Well, which one is it? Well, it's this. We are to sow seed, that we are to, to understand in our own hearts and lives and to explain to 
other people who Jesus is and what he has done. And when we explain that message, when we sow the seed of that gospel, uh, then, then, then that gospel has native power within itself. And when it scatters into the ground, it's able to sprout and to grow all by itself. You see, there, the church has one message, and there is infinite power in that one message. The advancement and the expansion of God's kingdom is not accomplished by our efforts to expand and advance God's kingdom. Think about that. Let me restate that. The advancement and the expansion of God's kingdom is not accomplished by our efforts to expand and advance God's kingdom. It is it, the expansion and advancement of God's kingdom is advanced through our grasp of and our speaking about the gospel. You see, this is our lane. We are to be gospel people. We are to be people who understand the gospel in our own hearts and minds. We are to be people who share and speak and explain the gospel to other people. Well, and when we do that work, that's our lane. Then God does his work. That's his lane. What does he do through the proclamation and through the understanding of the gospel? He expands his kingdom. He advances his kingdom. We don't do that. We share a message. That's why even this, as we, as we gather as a church, uh, through, through the word that is preached, through the songs that we sing, through uh, the prayers that we pray, uh, we ought to be constantly Every time you turn around, you bump into something about the gospel in each of those elements because that's the one thing that we've got going for us. That is the one mission that we have, and that is the one message that we are pro to proclaim. Our job is not to change the world. Our job is to promote a message, and yet the rest of the story is because we believe that that one message is able to change the world because it changes people's hearts and lives. And with these parables here about the, the man who scatters seed on the ground and then goes to bed at night, and, and, uh, and even the second related parable is uh, the kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed, a, 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 an unimpressive small seed uh, that when it sprouts, it's able to create this large plant. See the the gospel of God's kingdom on one level is unfathomable. And yet the gospel of God's kingdom on another level is unstoppable. Now, so, let's state the obvious. Hopefully this is the obvious, but let's state it. This parable is, is not a life lesson on how to grow a garden. Uh, we're, we're not talking about sowing and reaping agriculturally. 
we're, we're discussing by the use of the comparison of these parables, we're, we're discussing um, how to sow and to reap spiritually. How souls are brought into God's kingdom. How lives are altered and changed. In other words, by the message of the gospel, there is the power of the spirit connected to the message of the, the gospel. Uh, and when that message of the gospel is sown into people's hearts, and when those hearts, are, or as those hearts receive that message, there's an explosion of change and transformation and power that occurs through that simple little message that the world says is, eh, they're not impressed by it. But for us, it's everything. For us, it's life and it's joy and it's peace. We believe in this one message about who Jesus is and what he has done. We, we are devoted. We are not disinterested. We are not distracted. We are not divided. We're all in. We're devoted to this one message because we're devoted to this one Lord whom this message is about. And this one Lord who gives us this one message through this message is able to change us. We believe that the message of the gospel has the power to help us right here and right now. We believe this one message of the gospel has the power to instill hope in us, to raise us above the despair that would assault us. We believe that this one message of the gospel, who Jesus is and what he has done, uh, natively has the power to comfort us. No matter what our griefs, griefs are, no matter what our fears are, we, we believe that this one message, this message of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ has the power to satisfy us. This week, Diane and I had the chance to go to New Orleans. Southern Baptist Convention was in New Orleans, and New Orleans is a fascinating city. Uh, it's old and historic. Those are the parts that I like but it's also weird. Um, and uh, we, uh, we went into a shop that, um, well, in my estimation, sold rocks. And, uh, and uh, uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was, you know, gems and, and uh, stones and uh, crystals and uh, so variated in their beauty. I mean, and that shouldn't surprise us. We have a beautiful God who has vast wisdom and power. And uh, when he decided to make a rock, he just, he just didn't make all rocks the same way, the same color, the same the same sparkle. He, he, put, he made a thousand varieties, if you would, of rocks, all variated in their color and their beauty. And, uh, and, and yet God done that. God did that. And yet, and yet these people found a way to take those rocks, which is fine. And they, uh, they tumbled them and they polished them and they made them shiny and beautiful. And then they'd set them in bracelets or necklaces and rings and stuff like that. And, and all of that up to that point uh, is intriguing and wonderful. Uh, and, uh, and yet, the more I just kind of roamed around 
looking at all of the rocks, it would, it would, there would be a little description by each of these rocks. And uh, it, would, it, it would tell us where it's from. You know, some rocks were from Namibia, and uh, some rocks were from Siberia, and uh, some rocks were from uh, Norway, and some rocks were from Australia, and some rocks were from South Africa, and some rocks were from British Columbia. And, uh, and so and God created a variety of stones, and he just, he just kind of spread them all out over his planet. We're all good so far. And yet you kept reading the description, and... Uh, and it dawned on me, this is not a rock shop. This is a religion shop. Because it went on to say, now, this particular tumbled, polished stone, um, it, uh, it will heal you physically and or emotionally. In other words, if you wear this polished rock or, in, or have it in your pocket, I guess, uh, then uh, this and this one over here, uh, it will alleviate your, your grief. It will dissuade your, your anger. Uh, this, this will take away your despair. Uh, this, this rock over here, it will instill hope. It will provide you with strength. It will give you confidence. And this rock over here, it will, in, it will improve your vocal uh, and, and language skills. You're like, you ain't got that rock, are you? Yeah, but all right, all right, don't be a smarty pants about that. But uh, I didn't buy that rock. Maybe I should have. But anyway. This rock over here will en enhance your uh, vitality. Uh, this rock over here will, will help you to forgive others. It will give you the strength and the power to forgive. Uh, th this rock over here will release, relieve your stress and, their, and your negativity. And this rock over here will promote happiness. These are rocks. These are rocks. There's no power in rocks. But there is power in the one who made those rocks. And there is power, the very power of God, in this message of the gospel. That Christ died for our sins. We're going all in with that one. We're not setting up a rock shop to change your life. We believe that there is one true message about who Jesus is and what he has done. And when we simply explain that one message, the power of that gospel, it native in that, built into the DNA of that message itself, has power. Power to do all of the things promised, if you would, uh, by these rocks. Uh, in other words, we, we can be the living examples. We can be the living stones, if you would, to borrow the language of 1 Corinthians, I mean, 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4, that we believe that in Jesus, all the things that these rocks promise, we believe that these things are experienced through Jesus. See, we don't walk in superstition, but we do live in the supernatural. We believe that this one message, this one gospel, is able to do all that it claims 
it can do. And what can that seed do? Well, I, I think he dovetails that with, and that's why he's combined these two short parables. On the one hand, the sower sows the seed, then he goes to sleep, and while he's sleeping, the earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, and, 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 and then it's time to wake up because now that's the full grain, grain is, is, is ripe, then he puts his sickle to it because the harvest has come. And then it almost if he, he narrows that and says, in, in a particular seed that I'm talking about is this seed of a mustard seed. It's, it's small and unimpressive and insignificant, but boy, you plant that thing into the ground. And what does it do? It produces that itsy-bitsy seed, produces this ginormous plant that grows and provides protection, grows and provides provision. We are not peddlers of a message like that of a rock shop, but we are proclaimers of the one true message of the gospel. And it's, it's a message that once it is planted in hearts, it, 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 then it, 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 it grows. Apostle Paul would say in Colossians chapter 1, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So in other words, he's saying something about the gospel. What does he say about the gospel? Which has come to you as indeed in the whole world as it is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you since the day you've heard it and understood the grace of God in the truth. The gospel itself, once it is proclaimed, once it is explained, once it is shared, uh, once it is passed on, that gospel produces its own fruit and produces its own increase and its own growth. It does it all by itself. We can sow the seed and go to sleep. Martin Luther, some 500 plus years ago, who was instrumental in starting the Protestant Reformation. That's how he explained it. When he explained how did this Reformation thing happen, he never intended there to be a Protestant Reformation. He just wanted to know how to get right with God. And, 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 and yet when he understood what the scriptures taught about that, then that message reignited Europe and, and literally the world. And, and here's what he says. He goes, we did nothing. We did nothing. We preached the word and slept. And God did it all. The word did it all. Why? Because there's power in the word. What unleashes power in your life, in my life? Power to have hearts that are satisfied. Power to have hearts that are filled with joy. Power to have hearts that are satisfied. Power to have hearts to combat anxiety and fear and anger and despair. What, what, what we believe is that, is that it takes the gospel rooted and grounded in our hearts to give fruit and to give increase and to, to change our lives. We go all in on that one. Because the gospel itself, when it is planted in our hearts and souls, bears fruit, and gives increase. It cannot be stopped. It will produce. And so we sow. 
The Apostle Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Then he goes on to say in the next verse, I'm paraphrasing this next verse, so neither the one who, who sows nor the one who waters is anything, but God who gives the growth is everything. Because we believe that God shows up in the context of a message. We believe that innate in that message is the very power to change, the very power to change each of our lives individually, the very power to change this world. And so we would go in with one message, with one mission, and that is to faithfully know and to faithfully share who Jesus is and what he has done. We, we will trust not in our clever strategies to grow a church. We will not rely on our splashy techniques to grow a church but we will trust in the Lord and rely upon the power that is native in the gospel that we are to proclaim. So it will not be our schemes, it will not be our gimmicks, it will not be our methods, but Lord, help us. May it be our faithful apprehension and our faithful acknowledgement and our faithful proclamation and our faithful explanation of the gospel. We want to reap. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we reaped even this week as the gospel is sown into the hearts of children? And yet, and yet there, there's, there is no reaping without sowing. And so our first work will not be to consume ourselves with reaping. Uh, that will come in its due season. But our work this week is how do we love these children? How do we keep them safe? How do we care for them? And how do we explain who Jesus is and what he has done? See, reaping is subsequent to sowing. And so let us sow well. Let us sow faithfully. Let us sow carefully. Let us sow accurately. Let us sow happily. But let us sow. You see, whether it's this week in Bible school or whether it's after the week of Bible school is done and we're, we're back to just church life again, the issue is not how to grow a church using whatever pragmatically we figure out can work to attract a crowd. The issue is what is our mission and what is the message that we convey to carry out that mission. And that message pertains to the king of the kingdom. That message pertains pertains to who this king is and what this king has done. This message proclaims that Christ has died for our sins and rose again. That, in other words, that there is full, final, and complete pardon in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This gospel, secondly, entails that Christ died for our sins to bring us to God. That is, pardon is just uh, an, a means by which we get to live in right relationship 
a restored relationship with the God who loves us. Third, this, this gospel proclaims that Christ died for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. In other words, that there is power in the gospel to, to pardon us, to bring us into right relationship with God, and to give us power to live in a different kind of trajectory and direction of life. That, that, that this Christ who died in dying, he, uh, he's given himself for us, and he graciously gives to us, in giving himself to us, he graciously gives to us all things that we need to live in honor of him. That in dying for us, he, he died so that we could now be a people who walk in newness of life. He died for us, and in so doing, he put his heel on the neck of the dragon and slew the dragon. He died that in dying for us, he now lives to intercede for us so that no charge could be brought against God's people that is laid against him. In fact, by his intercession, he ensures that he gets each of his children safely home with great joy in their hearts. This is our message. This is our mission, to sow. To sow the powerful seed of the word of God and that in sowing that seed, we watch that seed do its work. We watch that seed start in ways that from a world's perspective is insignificant and small and unimpressive but it's a seed that works in ways that are unfathomable to us. And praise God, it's a seed that works in ways that is unstoppable by us. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for all that your word teaches us. But mostly we thank you for how your word orients us to who Jesus is and what he has done. We're thankful that everything that we need comes because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're thankful that, you've, that through Jesus, you've given us all that we need for, because you have given us Jesus himself. So Father, may that gospel take root in our hearts. May that gospel cause us to cherish you and to trust you and to obey you and to serve you, and may we be those who seek opportunities to share the living, abiding, active, powerful word of God. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.